Welcome to the Company of Dads podcast, where we explore the sweet, silly, strange, and sublime aspects of being a lead dad in a world where men, who are the go-to parent, aren't always accepted at work, among their friends, or in the community for what they're doing. I'm your host, Paul Sullivan. Our podcast is just one of the many things we produce each week at the Company of Dads. We have various features, including the Lead Dad of the Week. We have our monthly meetups. We have a new resource library for all dads. The one-stop shop for all of this is our newsletter, The Dad. So sign up today at thecompanyofdads.com backslash The Dad. Today, our guest is George Grombacher, a man whose interests defy easy categorization. He's a financial advisor for sure, running financial consulting professionals and being named a top advisor in the US. He's an author. One of his books is called The Purpose Book. He's the host of Life Blood, a podcast that airs every day and delves into health, wealth, relationships, work, and life. I was a guest on it years ago when I was the Wealth Matters columnist at the New York Times. He's launching another podcast now called Align Money, which will get him back to where he started with Life Blood before it became so expansive. He's a man who lives with intentionality and helps others do the same. I reached back out to him and I got a message featuring a baby wearing avocados, which took me back to those highly scheduled days of newborn dumb. Turns out that's a six month old. He also has two boys who are four and seven. And now I'm really happy to have George back with us today. Welcome, George, to the Company Dads podcast. Well, hey, Paul. Thanks for having me. You've been busy, man. How, how have you been? Give me the highlights. Give me the give me the give me the post COVID highlights of of George's life. So so we are in a post COVID world. We 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 can all agree on that, that. That we're moving past that. I am highly scheduled. Highly scheduled. You 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 took the words right out of my mouth when talking about the baby. Yeah, but life is good, man. I am in a fortunate place where I get to pursue my interests. Um. So. I get to do work that I think matters and I get to do it every day and I get to cart kids around and clean avocado off babies' faces and and and, and kind of everything else. So one of the things good. We, we realized, you know, when our, our first daughter was was young, second daughter, huge avocado lovers. We <laughs> we had Labradors. If you have a Labrador, they can do they they really love to help out, you know, clean up avocados. It's it's in their wheelhouse. I will let my wife know that. She's not a dog fan, which is sad because I think everybody else would really like to have a dog around. So I will let her know about that that avocado cleanup feature. Everything. You know, the little puffs that fall on the floor, a Labrador mm-hmm. gets that. They're good. <laughs> Highly scheduled. Uh, we talk a lot at the Company of Dads uh, about how lead dads, working moms, families in general, how... You know, the more they can see what the other person is doing, uh, the better things turn out. Simple thing that we advocate for is really opened and shared calendars, not anything super complicated. But as you know, as we know, um, people sometimes don't even do the simple stuff. What's your calendar look like? Do you color code it? I do not color code it. I've, I've got a lot of recurring meetings on there, but it's all the same color. My wife sends me color coded stuff. Um, and I don't mean to, to, sort of answer the, a different question um, than you asked me, but I, I couldn't agree more. My wife and I have recently started just a business meeting. We do it on Sunday mornings after the avocado avocado covered baby goes down for her first nap. And we just get on the same page with calendars, sort of a, 
a previous business, new business, kind of a meeting just to get on the same page because yeah. it's easy to start feeling resentful that I'm doing everything and what is she doing and vice versa. So it's really important. One of the things we talk about at the company dads is, is a, again, highly complicated, but very simple uh, thing called the paper test. And we we tell couples, if you just sit down together Sunday afternoon when a baby's sleeping, that's a good time. Saturday afternoon, not in a moment of in extreme. It's not in a moment after you just had a fight yelling and screaming about what you do <laughs> and write down separately on a piece of paper. What do you do? You know, well, what, what, what do you do? And what do I do? And then you both do the same thing. And what we always guarantee is that what you think you do and what you think your partner does are going to be very different. And it's the moment to start having that, you know, that conversation and having it and in, in, in bringing some sort of understanding as opposed to as, you know, all of us, you know, kids work, it's stressful. You, you start yelling at each other and it doesn't solve anything. Um, let's talk a little bit more about time. Um, from that intro, from just, you know, looking at all you've been doing, particularly since we, we last spoke, you know, four or five years ago, um, you do a lot all the time. How do you manage all of that while still being a husband and a father and a, and a you know non dog owning human? <laughs> I really think I could easily fit a dog in. It's probably okay. hubris and, and wildly stupid, but um, I don't know what's first. But I do wake up very very early in the morning. Right now, I wake up at four fifteen every day, and I start my day. So I get in my exercise and stretching and all that stuff. Uh, and then I usually record an episode of the podcast at 6 a.m. Uh, most most days of the week not that are not the weekends. So that's sort of the, the the short answer to the question. But I also, at this point in my career, I've been a financial guy for you know 20 some years, started in 2001. So I have a decently firm handle on what needs to be done in order to get the results that I want there. And I'm going to get everything done. I just don't, I, I know that I need to wake up a little earlier than maybe I would like. So I don't know how long I'm going to be able to do that, but I've uh, been doing it for as long as the kids have been, uh, as long as the kids have been alive. So what time, what time do you go to bed at night? I try to be in bed for at least eight hours. So in bed by about eight fifteen, hopefully. Wow. Walk me, walk me through, you know, walk me through a day. Give me what, you know, because uh, I think, you you do you fit so much in, but look, we all have the same twenty four hours in a day. You seem to be maximizing it. So walk me through that. You, you're up at four fifteen. You're doing your exercises. You're stretching. You record a podcast at six a.m. You know your time, which is a little wonky because for people who don't know, you're in Phoenix, which doesn't believe in daylight savings. So sometimes you're three hours behind the East Coast. Sometimes two hours. Whatever. What's it? What's your day look like? Yeah. So. Record the episode. It's edited and done by 6.45. So my my shows are 20 minutes. So pretty short and sweet. Um, edited and done, 6.45. I then leave my office and start preparing the children to get out the door, which my wife has already been working on some aspect of that. So we could get the kids up out the door between 7.15 and 7.30, dropping them off wherever they need to go. And then we're both starting our respective days. My wife is a full-time professional. Um, and I usually try to start my day at a coffee shop of some kind and uh, write for at least 45 minutes if I'm able. So I love doing that. That's a habit I got back into. I liked writing a lot when I was a young person in school. And then just professional life beat that out of me. But I, I found it again. Probably when I was, I'm 45 years old, um, 
about six, seven years ago. I read uh, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. She talked about the morning pages, which you're probably familiar with. So I'll do that. And then it's just the business of financial services and whatever else kind of needs to get done. It's client meetings or service work, stuff like that, new business development and sprinkle in, um, try to get to the gym twice a week. If I'm able to do that and, um, you know, food and just regular stuff from there. What, what time do you end your work day? Uh, about two 30 is when I'm done. Really? Yep. And what do you do from two 30 to eight 15 when you go to bed? I then I, I am in charge of picking up the kids because my wife has a traditional corporate job. So I usually yeah. will pick up kids starting around three. And then we go to different activities as all parents are aware of it's mm-hmm. soccer or jujitsu or gymnastics or tennis or whatever. And home and running a couple errands, making dinner, and then it's dishes and laundry and just the household kind of stuff. My wife gets home usually between 5.45 and 6.15 and try to spend some quality time together as a family between that time. And um, then it's get kids ready for bed and get myself ready for bed. You're a lead dad, man. You are the definition of a lead dad. We define as the the go-to parent, whether he works full-time, part-time, or devotes all of his time to his family, and in many cases is supporting his spouse or partner in their careers. Um, this is awesome. Do you have, at, at work, at Financial uh, Consulting Professional, do you, do you have leverage? Do you have, do you have people who are helping you out on, on the client stuff, or how does that work? Yeah, yeah, I've got a team of people. So I, I run... Uh, a financial firm. We do 401k plans for companies. And then I, I run a financial wellness company, which is very, very similar, but a different company. Um, essentially just trying to help people get better at money. Yeah. Um, that's the mission of, of both the groups. And um, so I have support from a professional standpoint, certainly. Yeah. And, you know, for many of us, you know, d- delegating is is difficult. You know, you you want to do it, and and it really takes a, a great manager, an evolved person, to say, okay, you're going to do it your way. It's different than how I would do it, but it's going to be fine. Is that a skill that you you knew that you had innately, or is that a learned skill that you you learned how to delegate so you could really you know maximize your your days in your life? I I don't know if I've ever sat down and thought which of my many many skills are are, are innate. Uh, some probably are, but I am very much a proponent of, you know, if I want to get good at something, I need to learn how to do it. And so I'm a big fan of of learning best practices or just whatever it is. If I want to start playing pickleball or whatever, I need to learn how to do it. And then I know that I'm going to get a lot better um, over time. So very much um, in delegation. That's a, a really, 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 really hard thing, especially as a person who is a doer. I am a, I'm fond of saying that my spirit animal is a beaver because you could throw a beaver on Broadway or in Times Square, it's going to start building dams. And, you know, I, <laughs> I just do, you know, there's a lot of talk about being a human being and maybe one day I'll get there for the time being, I'm a human doing. So the answer to your question is no, these are all very learned the fir- your your first career, your first business though, was working in financial services. Is that correct? Yep. All right. So you know, like most of us, when we have 
varied interests and, and we're fortunate enough to be able to pursue our interests either you know professionally or personally um they they sort of accrete um and it's one and more and two and three and four and five and so you didn't start out uh this busy you started out trying to break into financial services start start a firm and advise people in 401ks and everything else comes from there then you get married then you throw in uh some kids uh probably you know why you don't have the dog but i know that's going to come after this podcast um and but when you look back at at how it's it's an abundant life but it's a life that surely requires uh a lot of tending to uh to be more antiseptic a lot a lot of management how has that you know how have you been able to do that while still being you know we all need to make money but you know if, if you're not a good husband and you're not a good father that's a route to unhappiness how have you you know managed to add and and integrate at the same time i've uh certainly come to appreciate that we all go through different seasons of life when i was you know 12 years old, I wanted to be the best tennis player that I possibly could be. And so that's what I focused all of my energy and attention on. When I, I graduated from college, I really had no idea what I wanted to do, but I wanted to be successful. I wanted to be respected. And frankly, I wanted to meet women. And so I found a career in financial services that allowed me to dress respectively, make a lot of money, and gave me free time to be able to be very, very social. And I did that until I was about 28 years old. And then I made a bit of a career pivot into a management role as opposed to being a producer. Did that for six years, uh, met my now wife during that time. And the next stage of, 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 of my life moved from chasing women to having a deeper understanding of what I want to do professionally. So I pursued that for a number of years. And then my wife and I started our family. And now at this point, that was seven years ago, which is surprising to say that out loud, but my priorities have totally shifted and, you know, turning 40 and now 45 years old, it just hastens you. You have a deeper appreciation. I have always intellectually understood that, you know, I don't have a lot of time and none of us do. And that I don't have time to waste. But when these things start happening and along the line as well, uh, 2020, when COVID was just starting, my brother passed away, who was three years older than I am. So you sort of realize through the birth and the death of loved ones that you're more, you're very mortal. And yeah. I still, I, I don't know if I'm more driven than other people. I assume that I am. Uh, I just know that I'm a driven person and I've got a lot of things I want to do. And it's just made me more ruthless with how I decide to allocate my most valuable resources and how I want to be spending my time. And that's a silver lining from COVID for sure is that, you know, you're not traveling around or driving around where whatever city you're in to have coffee with, with people every morning, just stop doing that because I couldn't do it anymore. So I have a deeper appreciation for just how to allocate my time, my attention, my, my, my energy. You know, I'll listen to that. I'm rethinking my recommendation on the dog. So I don't I don't think you should get a Labrador. I think you should get a Border Collie. Okay. Because a Border Collie, will, like your kids won't get away. Like if your kids are out in the backyard, the Border Collie will herd your children like their sheep. And a Labrador will not. A Labrador will eat all their food and sit down. So I just think time management. Um, what's the purpose book about? 
the purpose book is it's designed to as i dug dug into what makes for a good life how do i live how do i live an examined life how do i become the person that i really want to be how do i live the life that i really want to have that i really want to live so it's not lost on me that uh, that's a pretty audacious title of a book to write, the purpose book. Um, <laughs> but it, it is what it is. So it's it's. I do not like when people say just do it, or fake it till you make it. These nice platitudes to say you know just go ahead and make that happen. Well, if somebody doesn't know how to do it, then they can't right. just do it. Right. So I wanted to help people. I, and, and, and Lifeblood, uh, my podcast, is really kind of a how-to show. It's how to do whatever it is that you're interested in doing. And the whole idea is how can I incrementally get a little bit better so I get closer to life that I want. So my premises or thesis is that, you know, purpose is it's really why we do what we do. Goals are what we want. Uh, Our beliefs are who we are. And then our habits are how we do all of it. And how do I line all those up as close as I possibly can? And if I'm able to do that, I think I've really positioned myself to get the life that I want. Obviously, I don't have control over much of it, but I do have control over those things and being thoughtful and contemplative about those kinds of things. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say you're not a guy who makes a lot of excuses. Is that fair? (laughs) There's certainly reasons for why things don't happen, but I sure try not to make too many excuses. What do you think holds people back? You know, particularly we're, we're talking about dads here. I'm sure it applies to, to moms and dads, but what do you think holds back, you know, dads from having that purposeful life, from doing what they really wish they could do or hope they could do or set out to do? Yeah, there's a lot of terrible quotes about majority of men live live of, lives of quiet desperation and think that we're pulled along by assumptions and expectations and I'm living on somebody else's terms and I've got a honey-do list that's a mile long and I've got to do this or my family's going to be mad at me or my wife or my parents or my in-laws or this, that, and the other thing. And I totally get it. And then, you know, a lot of us are sort of in the red or we're behind the eight ball when it comes to our finances. And that really limits our ability to follow our bliss or whatever silly term you're interested in using. So it's all that stuff. Um, And if we're not in the habit of, if if we don't have habits of, of living the way that we want, well, then we're not going to be doing it. Then we're just sort of, you know, the, the tail on the Labrador slash border collie is way is wagging the animal versus the animal wagging the tail. So you refer to me as an intentional person. And perhaps that is uh, a lack of intention is, is one of the main things that stops people from doing what they want. You know, we all know uh, that it's a lot easier to stay in shape than it is to lose weight and get back into shape. Um, if people are focused and intentional and they go, they drive their life, they, they're making choices, but if people stray from that path and they lose that intentionality, they lose that focus, but they're craving the purpose, you know, what are two or three things that you would advise them to start with to get back to that purpose-driven life that they want? And all this sounds easy and does hard. 
So all this does, and again, I don't want to give platitudes out, but the only way to live how you want is to know how you want to live. So I've known the importance of goal setting since I was probably a 10-year-old boy. It took me until I was 35 to do it though. So in a very human move, mm-hmm. I had this knowledge in my head, but didn't do it for 25 years. So now I've been setting goals for 10 years. So I, I understand everybody was right. The verdict is in. You should think and write about, or you should know what it is that you want and then make plans for bringing that desired future into your current reality. And then you work to execute on that. So yeah, in an object in motion, it's easier to keep in motion, object in rest kind of a thing. And yep, is it it's really hard to drop 30 pounds. It's a lot easier to drop five pounds when you kind of nip it in the butt a little bit. So first and foremost, you got to know what you want. And goal setting, it's a bad term because nobody does it. So clearly there's there's the the big goals out there. Who, who Whoever's responsible for, for pushing goals needs to sort of do a refresh on the branding. But just think about what, what it is you want. How would you like to be spending your days? A weekday, what would a perfect day look like? Just, I, and I'm not saying it's possible, but maybe we can get a little closer to it. How would you like to start your day? What time? What would you like to do? How would you like to end your day? Maybe focus on, on the beginning and then the end. Get super clear on that. And then we have to remind ourselves. So I have to remind myself of what it is that animates this behavior. What is it that's driving me to wake up at four o'clock in the freaking morning? Because I don't want to. Never do I like when my alarm goes off at four. I'm like, oh, great. No, it's super painful. I, I dislike it immensely, but I, I, I just remind myself. So around my neck, I think this is a super practical thing. I'm going to screw up my whole microphone here. I've got, I've got a skull mm-hmm. and this is a memento mori which is a reminder that we're all going to die. Yeah. So it's a reminder of that. I've got a cross, which is emblematic of, of Christ, but also of my brother. And it reminds me that I owe. There are a lot of people who have come before me that are no longer here that have paved the way for the life that I have or my ability to pursue it. And that directly that my brother died when he was my age, essentially. And it drives me to get up and to do my work and to do uncomfortable things every day because I want to honor the memory of those people who came before me or people who just can't do what I have the ability to do. And then finally, there's a key on there, which is emblematic of my work and how important my work is to me and the impact I'm interested in having. And I wear these, it's kind of like we have a wedding ring. It's a reminder. Yeah. I put it on, I touch it, I feel it, and I remind myself because it's easy for me to forget, right? In fact, I do it all the time. So I have to remind myself. Um, and those things do the trick for me. And I think potentially it could help somebody else too. George Grombacher, thank you so much for being my guest today on the Company of Dads podcast. One final uh, light question. What's your favorite thing to do with your kids? Uh, go to the zoo. Love going to the zoo with them. So, Favorite animal? There are spider monkey enclosure where you can, you, you sort of get in and, and there's a, there's two doors. So the monkeys can't escape, but they're these little 
mystical, little mythical, wonderful little creatures. Uh, and you can see them crawling around all over the place. So that's one of our favorite things to do for sure. Great place to end. Thank you again, George. I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, talking to you again and having you as my guest on the Company of Dads podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Company of Dads podcast. I also want to thank the people who make this podcast and everything else that we do with the Company of Dads possible. Helder Mira, who is our audio producer. Lindsay Decker, who handles all of our social media. Terry Brennan, who's helping us with the newsletter and audience acquisition. Emily Servin, who is our web maestro. And of course, Evan Roosevelt, who is working side by side with me in many of the things that we do here at the Company of Dads. It's a great team. Um, and we're, we're just trying to bring you the best in fatherhood. Remember, the one-stop shop for everything is our newsletter, The Dad. Sign up at thecompanyofdads.com backslash the dad. Thank you again for listening.